like the time when a student randomly asked me what a rectum is. Yeah, like that's exactly right. And you just need to know what to do in that situation, even though it's not on the agenda. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord. It's Mikey from the Goonies. Wait, an actor's in charge of my money? That was a million dollars, over a million dollars lost. A podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on the show today, we have educator and social media personality, Joe Mr. D. Dombrowski, as he shares how to grow your social media brand, awkward classroom situations, and how studying improv made him a better teacher. Last week, we spoke with Susan Kane and learned about the strengths of introverts, and this week's guest is absolutely not an introvert. His viral classroom video, where he made up words for a spelling test, garnered him over 20 million views and landed him on The Ellen DeGeneres Show, which launched his speaking career. You'll hear a new voice conducting the interview. That's our very own Ryan Giffen, who's our education agent. He is also not an introvert. So buckle up and get ready to learn how to become insta-famous. Here's our interview with Joe Dombrowski. I am a teacher. I teach fifth grade in Seattle. Before that, I taught in Chicago. And before that, I taught for many years in Detroit. And I kind of got my start in all of this, I don't know, educational notoriety from a viral piece of content that I put on the internet at a very random time, which was April Fool's Day. And I had a video go viral and it was my April Fool spelling test. I gave my kids a fake spelling test compiled of a bunch of fake words and it had 20 million views overnight, which was insane, which there went into some appearances on the Ellen DeGeneres show a couple times, and then the Pickler and Ben show and a couple other big cool things, and just kind of started to build my brand on social media and have a very strong social media presence, which led into touring and speaking all over the country, talking to people about being their full, awesome, amazing selves and continuing to have a positive light on the world and being amazing, yeah. <laughs> I try to add some humor in there too when I can, but I don't know. Speaking of humor. Speaking of humor. Where would you say that your humor came from? Was it, did it come from someone or did it come from something? Great question, Ryan. I'm so glad that you've asked. Um, I was definitely a black sheep of my family growing up, which to be honest with you, um, there was not much competition because I was the only sheep in my family's little flock of you three. You were the only, only child? I am the only child. You are. And don't you forget it. No, but I don't know. <laughs> it was okay. But um, my dad seems to be a little more introverted from my mom. So if I have to pinpoint it genetically, I would give it all to Fran. Shout out to my mom. Yeah, you're amazing. But my my whole essence of what I do just is really truly myself. I'm I'm the kid who would show up to family parties and everyone would be like, oh, Joey's coming again. But it's just because like I just kind of dance to the beat of my own drum and always have, to be totally honest with you. But the humor aspect of it really started to like take shape in college. So I randomly one day was at an improv comedy club in Detroit. It's called Go Comedy. If you're ever in Detroit, check it out. It's at Nine and Woodward. <laughs> um, so I went to this random comedy club and I was watching them and they were hysterical. So funny. And I sat in the audience and I was like, I can do that. 
I know that I can do that. Had I ever done improv? No, I hadn't. But I knew that I could do it. So after the show, I waited for the cast to leave. And I stopped them. And I said, hey, do you guys have auditions ever? And the, one of the guys was like, yeah, actually, we have auditions tomorrow. Let's go check out the, the audition time slot. And there was one time slot left. And I was like, I'll take it. No, what I didn't tell you is I was still at the I was still in college at Central Michigan University at the time, which was two and a half hours away from this comedy club. But I took the audition on a Sunday, auditioned, and then drove back up to school. They called me for a callback the next day for the following Sunday, and it was a live callback. So we did it in front of a real audience and which just went for it. Horrifying, I'm sure. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. And then they cast me, and I was in the resident cast doing paid professional improv from there on out. It was incredible. But, but I respected the craft so much that I feel like most people in that situation, especially sometimes in entertainment, are kind of like, I got this because I'm great or whatever. But I really knew that being that fresh and being with all these people who have worked at like Second City and Upright Citizens Brigade and all these insane places, I was like, Learn from them, Joe. Learn from them and extract every bit of knowledge that they're willing to get you. Study these people and and really perfect what you're doing on stage. And I and I really took that to heart and I did. And these people who I worked with in Detroit are some of the best comedians that I have ever seen. And it was just such an experience to be able to share the stage with them and to learn from them. But what they didn't realize is it made me a better teacher. Teaching is on the fly, oh my God, this just got thrown at you. You have no idea what to do. You're in the middle of a lesson and now this kid's crying for no reason. What do you do? And that's what improv really helped me with was to be able to just navigate social and professional situations with ease and clarity. And I was never like concerned or scared. And and you're often asked questions by oh. students that will completely throw you off, throw you off of your train of thought or your lesson plan. And to have those skills, I'm sure come in handy. Like the time when a student randomly asked me what a rectum is. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's exactly right. And you just need to know what to do in that situation, even though it's not on the agenda. Totally. Um, for our listening audience, if we're ever asked that question, what should our answer be if a third grader asks us that well, question? Let me back up and put this in a context for you. A <laughs> okay, little bit. I'd so, appreciate that. So I was teaching magnets, and you know, magnets attract and repel. And I was trying to get the students to say repel, and I was like, "And what's that called when two magnets go? They don't, they don't touch each other. They keep pushing away. It starts with an R, and this kid goes rectum, and another kid goes, "What's a rectum?" I'm like, "Oh, he meant repel," and just kind of ran with it. So, oh man, but when you have to teach that whole like birds and the bees lessons, the questions there are golden, and they will not be shared on this podcast. So there we go. So there's this. Um, unique use of social media influence in the world of education that I see. How important is it to you as a social media influencer to kind of continue your positive social media influence in the world of education? Well, the whole thing comes back to the fact of if you're not writing your own story, somebody else will. And personally, I'd rather tell people what I'm doing than have somebody tell others what I'm doing. And that's what social media comes down to. Take the classroom out of the equation, right? 
the fact that I'm a teacher is irrelevant. The messages that I'm giving are like applicable anywhere. It's like what you're doing on social media is your brand. You are creating an image for yourself that people are viewing. And we can use social media to build ourselves up. It, it is your digital resume, hands down. Right now, if I went on a job interview, I would give my Instagram across, I'd throw my phone across the table, have them scroll through my Instagram. Then I would hand them a small little brochure of pictures of me in the field and some essays that I've written. It's just like new age thinking, right? And it comes down to when you're posting and you're posting all this positivity, it's all about being real and raw and honest because that's when you're going to get the most traction, the most bang for your buck. But you're highlighting yourself. You're showcasing yourself. You're sitting on your like tiny marketing firm where you have something to offer. And that is whatever it is. I mean, teaching, great. It totally works in teaching. But I've seen people do so amazingly successful for themselves and they're barbers or or a skateboarder or a graffiti artist. Okay, calligraphy art on Instagram is not only the most satisfying thing that I've ever watched on the internet, right. but these people are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars getting paid to write fancily on somebody's mirror or whatever it is. Because you have a skill. Show it off, show the world, show your best self, and here it is, you know? What's the one thing that you did or that you didn't do uh, when you started this kind of what you didn't know at the time to be this explosive megaphone to your uh, audience and to those that are watching you? So the biggest thing is I I watched my following grow and it was growing at a nice steady rate and I was posting teaching content and what I was doing in the classroom. And that was about the extent of what I was doing at the time. Because my platform did get started as just Mr. D in the classroom. This is how I teach. But when I started to get a little more real, get a little more raw, really show my sense of humor, my little bit of outlandishness, my, more about my life and the people in my life and how we've all connected and my story, when I let social media tell my story, the numbers went off the charts. And it's just because not only are you a brand, not only do you have something that people want, which is, in my case, maybe some positivity for education or whatever it is, but also this is like an enjoyable thing to extract information from. I like watching this. I like being a part of it. I like taking the aspects that I can relate to and applying it to my own life. And when you're a relatable person on social media, when you're relatable and people can watch you and be like, oh, they're not fake, then you're like sitting on a gold mine because you are developing your own brand and it's true to yourself and who you are. That's what you want to do. Like to me, the most boring people to follow on social media, and sometimes I'll have hundreds of thousands of followers where every other piece of content is like, hey guys, here's this new comb I bought. You can get it here to do a swipe up and everything is like that. It's like, cool, this person's like kind of making bank, but for how long? You, it, this is going to go out of style. I'm already bored of it. Unfollow, you know? Right. So it's like you you have to like diversify yourself in what you're doing and just stay true to you and your personality and what you do. And also, you don't have to be as extroverted as I am because people are going to recognize with the introvert, whatever it is, like, just do you, do you, okay?
let me get this straight. There's introverts in, social, in, the, world. in the world and social media. They, they exist. <laughs> they exist. Yeah. I mean, but take like the art, you know, the artist Banksy, the famous graffiti artist. Right. Great. So never show, no, like people really don't know what Banksy looks like. Never really does any sort of public appearances or speaking like or anything like that, but has amazing art that's deeply rooted in messaging. And the following of that is unbelievable and totally true to himself. Everything that's out there is true to that brand and himself. I mean, there's even ASMR, you know, it's like if you're into it, you're going to follow it. If you could uh, explain to us what ASMR, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> you mentioned your mother earlier. Yes. You and your mother have a, from what I can see, a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. But now it's a more public <laughs> relationship. <laughs> yeah. And for very fun and exciting reasons, there's been a recent video mm-hmm. about calling his mother during her favorite TV show when he knew that she was watching it. Tell us she that was. story. So... <laughs> That's funny. So my mom is probably the biggest fan of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that you've ever, ever seen. And I know that it's a household rule that I don't call her on Monday nights between 7 and 10 because The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is on. And I know, I really know nothing about this show. And every time that I do call her, she just like either says hello and hangs up or just doesn't give me the time of day and keeps going. And is like, yeah, okay, next. And I knew that it would happen, so I filmed it. And then I put it on the internet of her just like brushing me aside so that she could get back to her stories. And uh, it was content gold. And it just, it went a little bit viral. It's got about 4 million views right now. And uh, it was later reposted by Chris Harrison, the host of the show. The producers and executive directors of the show reposted it as well. The Bachelor at like Facebook page reposted mm-hmm. it. Wow! And then they invited my mom to the live taping of the final rose ceremony in Los Angeles. So she is going to be their special guest there, which we're really excited about. But it's cool. But the cool thing about that too is like you're right. My mom and I do have a very um, respectful relationship. You know, very. Uh, we're very close and it was nice that I was able to have that video gain as much popularity as it was because my mom has been in the hospital, the work, the hospital field forever. And currently she's in her most difficult position. She's a hospice care worker. She actually was tired of being like hospital director for years and years and years. She's like, I want to go back on the floor. She did. And that's a very difficult position to be in and she just loves it and she goes in every day and is just so um into her work and i think that's such a like it's like teaching it's like one of those thankless positions really you know and it's such difficult work and to be able to have this experience for her and she can like let go and do it when i told her that she got invited to the show she cried and goes i've been watching this for 14 years oh my god i was like well yeah you better bring these tears out at my wedding like this too so thanks (laughs) what are some of the challenges that you're seeing for this generation uh coming into the workforce and and what what would be your words of encouragement and guidance to that well we answered this today there were Two students at our event today that were fresh out of college. They had just graduated and they don't have their jobs lined up. Okay. So they were seeking advice for this. And my answer is so applicable to anyone 
who's just graduating. And it is when you are out there and you're interviewing and you're applying to jobs, there's two things that you got to keep in mind. I hear from kids all the time who are like, oh, I just I can't get a job. It's like, where are you applying? It's one or two places or one or two school districts. It's like, what are you doing? There's there's opportunity in jobs and there's kids in schools everywhere in this world. Where there's kids, there's schools. Where there's people, there's jobs. So when you're out there and you're looking for what you really want to do, look and apply at everything and to everything and really open up your mind to where you can go. Don't be tied into one place or one specific company or one specific school. And the other thing too is when you're interviewing, you might go in and love a place and know that you want to be there. But keep in mind that your interview is not only them interviewing you, but you're interviewing them. Is this a place where I can thrive? Will they allow me to be myself here? Will I be allowed to make the moves and the changes professionally that I want to along my career? Am I going, is this a place I can see myself for a while? What are these questions? Are my needs being met too? And if they are, I'm so happy for you. Jump on it. But if they're not, don't accept it and be miserable when happiness is right around the corner. You just have to apply. I mean, just be daring. You know, without risk, there is no reward. And that comes directly from my mom. She Growing up, it was always, without risk, you will receive zero reward. And, I mean, I'm kind of a risky guy. (laughs) Sorry about it. Next week, we get ready for some football with NFL Hall of Famer Mike Ditka. So make sure you subscribe to get that episode as soon as it comes out. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in the third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of Dean Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the muy profundo Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Yount, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast.